Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Healthy is Hot podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Wilde, TV host by day, sweatpant connoisseur by night, and a health and a life coach always. From hashtag to movement, we believe that loving all sides of you is what's healthy, and healthy is hot. Come hang out as we have raw, real conversations with badass individuals living passionate lives, thriving to make their dreams come true, and diving deep into how they got to where they are. And the best part? How health is a key component of all of it. From the highs to the lows, we get into it. From fitness to mental health to aspirational careers, get ready to be inspired. Also, we don't hold back. There might be swearing, there's definitely going to be some laughing. And hopefully you can take something away from these conversations to live your best life, to live your healthiest hot life. Brought to you by Clarence. We've got Dr. Brett Belchatz, the CEO and co-founder of Maple, which mm, immediately makes me think of maple syrup, but that's not what we're talking about. This is actually Canada's leading virtual care platform, connecting patients and healthcare providers like doctors and therapists for online medical visits in minutes, which is so incredibly important. Brett's passion for healthcare communication and policy have led him to work as an on-air medical expert, but today he is sharing his story, his passion, his insights into the healthcare industry with us on the Healthy is Hot podcast. Okay, I need to know everything. The landscape of healthcare in our country has obviously changed so much. We're finally out of the pandemic, but it feels like people are treating their health and the healthcare system a little bit differently. People want to have access when they need help. And you have been such a key pivotal person in that conversation. So what have been some of the changes you've been seeing? And tell me how Maple fits into that bigger picture. I think the biggest change that we've seen, obviously people are, there's lots of things to talk about. I mean, people are much more conscious of infectious disease. We see a lot of different behaviors in terms of people's willingness to actually leave the home, people's willingness to go to work when they're sick. But one of the biggest changes in how we actually deliver healthcare that we've noticed since the pandemic began is the incredible ease with which people can now access healthcare remotely. So that was something that if you go back in back in time to, you know, 2018, 2019, we the company that we started is called Maple. We at Maple we were big believers that people should be able to the doctor remotely, that when you have something that's really routine, really transactional, you just need a prescription renewed, you've got a funny rash that you want a doctor to look at a picture of. We always believed that there was no reason that you should have to travel across town and sit in a waiting room for two hours and miss a day at work and all that stuff. Um, but the rest of the world kind of thought we were crazy, to be honest <laughs> So I remember back in those days, we were trying to tell everybody loudly and clearly, um, this is the real craziness is doing all that stuff for something that the doctor never even physically touches you for. But I remember if I go back to to those years, people accused us of breaking the law. They said, is it's not legal? This, this has got to be a scam. And it, it's amazing the commentary we got back. So pandemic hit, all of a sudden, all of the doctor's offices closed. And if you go to April of 2020, the crazy statistic, which I love to quote, is that in April of 2020, 70% of all doctor's visits done in Canada were done remotely by either video, telephone call, or secure messaging. And that is unbelievable given that if you go back in time to the week before the pandemic, it was under 1%. So that is the biggest change. And that is something that hasn't gone back 
after all of these years. So now we're, you know, three plus years into the pandemic, people are still seeing doctors remotely and I don't think they'll ever go back. So finally, you're waving your finger at everybody that didn't believe in you and this model. And finally, you're like, guys, this is great. Because I think I remember like being young and having my mom, she was a single mom. And if I was sick or I needed some type of of kind of healthcare professional in my life, she would have to take a day off. And for her, that was it was a huge deal. You know, she we she needed to go to work to be able to feed us and put us through school and stuff. So I do remember as a kid having it be like a big thing. And now as an adult, I, you know, proudly go to therapy and I love that I can do virtual therapy from the comfort of my own home. And I think uh, it's definitely one of the silver linings of the pandemic is that the healthcare system is now more accessible. It really is truly more accessible no matter who you are, where you're at. There are services out there. And I think that will positively impact people's obviously physical health if they're going to see a doctor, but also their mental health because accessibility and barriers of entry to see a doctor can sometimes be, you know, quite damaging and quite harmful. Well, you're making such a great point. And what was really, really interesting is throughout our existence at Maple, one of the number one reasons that people chose to use us was obviously that convenience factor. But one of the other number two reasons, which was massively cited by people as to why they were using a service like ours was embarrassment. So we had so many people using Maple either for the doctor's visits, but even things like therapy visits where they said, I was never willing to get help for this problem before because Mm -hmm. I was so nervous about showing up at that waiting room. And particularly if I showed up at the waiting room for the mental health therapist, I didn't want people to see me walking in that front door that said, this is a mental health therapist because my friends, my family, my coworkers saw me walking in that door. All of a sudden, everybody would know I did this. And there's this whole stigma attached, which but to be honest, I, I wish there wasn't that stigma. I think that we should treat mental health exactly like physical health. There's zero shame in it. But there's a lot of people who, for them, it's a big barrier. Yeah. And not only around mental health, things like sexual health, the amount of people that had sexual health concerns. So they thought they had a sexually transmitted infection. They had worries about potentially being pregnant when they were young and potentially not in a stable relationship. A lot of these people had nowhere to go where they felt that there wasn't the concern that they would check in at the front desk and the receptionist would say, you're here for what in front of a whole waiting room, which which is the most mortifying thing most people can imagine. And so they never got help. So this whole virtual environment not only makes it just more convenient, but we're actually helping so many people for problems that before just got ignored. Mm. I got to ask you, because obviously you're very passionate about you know, medicine, an ER doctor, and now here you are, you know, CEO of a tech company. Did you ever imagine that your passion for health and wellness and reaching people would lead you to be, you know, in charge of a tech company? Like that's quite a switch. <laughs> oh boy. No, it's, it's probably the furthest thing from, from where I imagine my life would ever be. Um, you know, I imagine every possible career that I would have, you know, I thought I was going to be a heart surgeon. And and I, I, the short on that is I, I think I observed a heart surgeon for one day and realized it was not at all what the movies make it out to be and probably the most boring thing I'd ever seen. So I said, no, most people will be shocked by that. So not definitely no heart surgery for me. And then eventually ended up in emergency medicine and loved it and thought this is all I'm ever going to do. And to be honest, if you ask me in those early days, um, is there any other career, and particularly, would you ever be a tech company person? I would have said, no way, no how, like, what the heck is that? And why would anybody do that? But I, I think one of the big things that really changed 
for me was a working on the front lines of our healthcare system and observing firsthand how difficult the experience was for so many people. And after, you know, my first five or six years in practice, starting to think, you know, I can go to work and I can see my 40 or 50 patients that I see at work. And I help these 40 or 50 people, but I'm not helping enough. There's a limited. And I always felt that maybe if I work a little faster, a little harder, I can help a few more people. But even the fastest that I could go, I might be able to help, you know, a few more people. But again, it was always limited. And so I started to think, you know, there's got to be a better way for us to do things. And so that trickled into my consciousness. And at the same time, the funny thing is that, um, and this just goes way, way back in time to probably 2013 or so, at the same time when I was having these thoughts, technology was actually really making a difference for all my family and friends. So if you were my my sister, my brother, um, calling about their kids and their kids had a sore throat, or you were my friend who had a little kid or my friend who had a stomach ache, none of them sat in a waiting room for six hours waiting for help. They all just texted me. And so I would be texting and, you know, FaceTime was relatively new back in 2013, but I'd be doing FaceTime videos and, you know, that was pretty groundbreaking stuff back then and obviously kind of old now, but I was, what I was finding was, you know, I was actually able to make a big difference and help all these people. So this weird thing about tech where, you know, I thought it was the furthest thing from anything related to my career. All of a sudden I found that technology in, in its most sort of basic application of just using your phone I was actually really helping people without them ever having to sit in a waiting room. And I thought, wouldn't it be so cool if we could figure out a way that everybody kind of had their friend or family member who's a doctor that they could just FaceTime or text whenever they had a problem. So now do your your friends and your siblings, do they still call on you through FaceTime or are they going through the right sources? Well, so it depends how close I am with them. <laughs> if they've been really nice to me, they still get to text and, and video. Otherwise, I always just send them a link to the Maple app. No, no, I'm kidding. Um, my friend, I'll be honest, you know, I hold, half the reason I started the company was to try to take the friends or family pressure off of me. It didn't work out that well. They all still text me. They all still video me and I and I still help them. But, you know, the, the cool thing is, I you know, sometimes when it's two in the morning now and, and I'm fast asleep, the cool thing is they actually do use my application. So they go and they use Maple, recognizing that if they text me, nobody's going to answer probably until at least seven. And for most things, that's okay. But for some things, they're really anxious and they want it right away. So I think it's kind of the best of all worlds as far as they're concerned. So the you in you know the emergency room who felt like they were tapped out you know, time-wise, energy-wise at 40, 50 patients a day, which is still a lot of patients who felt like he just wanted to do more and to reach more. Do you feel like you're doing that now? Like, do you feel that you are making the impact and reaching people the way that you wish you had been able to back then? Absolutely. Although, although the funny thing is, um, when you start building bigger things, um, no matter how big of a thing you build, you always want to make it bigger. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a really, it's a really crazy obsession. Which I, you know, you told me four years ago, the numbers of people that were helping on Maple today, if you told me those numbers that we were ever going to get to this level, I would say, oh my goodness, that is incredible. And I'll, I would probably just, you know, be absolutely satisfied forever with these numbers. And now I look at them like, eh, how do we get to double this? So, so, you know, we're, you know, we have about 4 million Canadians right now that have access uh, to the platform. You know, we're now on a pace where we do about a million visits a year almost. Um, it is, it's a really busy service and we're helping a ton of people. I mean, if you look at 
4 million people having access to the platform. You know, it's over 10% of the Canadian population. Like that, that's a lot of reach. That's a lot of people who are being impacted. And one of the coolest parts of it is just the feedback that we get from patients. So, you know, we have um, in our application, you know, in our back channels, we actually have a live stream after every single visit, just like when you have an Uber ride, you can leave feedback for the driver and write some commentary. In our application, you can leave a star rating and then leave any commentary. And so we have a live stream that that our company watches of all the comments that are coming in and the star ratings. And it is so amazing to see the kinds of comments that people are, are actually making about their experience. I mean, people talk about what they have with, with our application. They talk about it being life-changing. I mean, people who live in rural parts of the country who have never been able to easily access healthcare, where every single time they had a medical visit, it was an unbelievable ordeal that caused massive lost wages or problem with problems with childcare, or they, you know, just didn't get a diagnosis and they got really sick. People's lives are really, really changing. We have patients with disabilities for whom going to the doctor was an unbelievable ordeal as well, because arranging transportation and being in the waiting room and all those other things, it's hard enough when you're, you're, you're able-bodied and have no underlying physical difficulties. But if you have physical challenges, that is orders of magnitude more difficult. And so we get messages from those people just talking about how for the first time in their life, when they have a medical problem, now they can just get help just like everybody else. So, you know, we watch these comments and it, it's it's really amazing. You really feel the impact. And so I love that. Um, you know, but the funny thing is, you know, we're hitting that sort of million patients a year uh, volume, which is pretty cool because, you know, just to put that in perspective, I think the busiest emergency room in the country does something on the order of about 300 to 400 patient visits a, a, a day. So, you know, wow. we're looking at something, you know, we're looking at something where we are literally, you know, 10 times as busy as the busiest emergency room in the country. And the difference between us and that emergency room is our average wait time for people to be seen from the time they ask to see a doctor to the time they're seeing a doctor Average wait time is about six to seven minutes, so it's not it's not <laughs> like what you have in the emergency. It's also ten times. <laughs> it's yeah, like- it's, yeah, ten times more with maybe less than one tenth the wait. Actually, a lot less than one. A lot less the actually. Yeah. Oh my yeah, god, it's a bit of a game. But I imagine. I mean, you're obviously a very driven, ambitious dude who wants to help and reach a lot of people. But you are also a human being, just like the rest of us. I mean, how important is it for you to take care of your physical health and your mental health so that way you can go out and do all of the things that you're doing? It's it's really good that you bring that up because I'll say it's, it's definitely not as easy as I would like it to be. And particularly, I think, uh, I think for everybody over the last few years has been really difficult. Um, if we look at the the couple of years during lockdowns, um, you know, one would think if you're busy, you're running a thriving business, you're having lots of interaction with your company, even though it's virtual, people would think that would make it all easier. And and particularly people would think, you know, you're a doctor, you must have this inside knowledge on, on you know, how to stay well and healthy. The reality is it was a really tough couple of years in, in every way. It was really tough to stay mentally in a good place. It was really tough, even physically, because all of the normal activities that I would be involved in. So, you know, going for a jog, uh, you know, a lot of the time indoors in the winter, which you couldn't do in lockdowns, um, going skiing was shut down, which I love to do, you know, going to the gym and all these other things that I love to do, all of that wasn't available. So that became a challenge. But even on a day-to-day basis, now we're kind of back to normal. Um, we're all still working remotely quite a bit. You know, I, I go into the physical office a couple times a week, but a lot of the time I'm home and I'm working from this chair that you see me sitting in. 
And I sit in a chair all day long and I have meeting after meeting after meeting, which is that's not good for your health in any way, shape or form. So sitting is probably for long periods of time, one of the worst things you can do for your health. So when I think about, you know, what do I do to try to maintain my health? So the actually the other obstacle I'll talk about is I just have a baby that's now 15 months old. And that is probably one of the hardest obstacles to, oh, to have. For congratulations. So, thank you. Thank you. No, and he, he's, he's absolutely awesome and the cutest thing in the world. But but let me tell you, and I'm sure anybody who's ever had a child will empathize with this, that, that baby is one of the greatest obstacles to your morning jog, to your meditation time, to your me time, and all the things that, I, that anybody recommends. So, so, you know, whenever I think about let's have a health guru discussion and give all this advice, I always think about that You know, 90% of those pieces of advice were probably not meant for anybody with small babies because the baby doesn't let you do it. So... All that being said, um, you know, for me, the, it's all about being very intentional about the things that matter. So I know that for me to feel good, I need to be physically active. Um, two things that work for me. One I would recommend for anybody is walking. And I don't care if it's winter, summer, whatever the weather is, you must be walking in your day. If you can get in 30 minutes of walking every single day, and I always make a point of doing that, I don't care what season it is. Even if it's indoor on a treadmill, if that's the only option, I will do it. Uh, I'll even put on my snow boots and try and take calls with my frozen hand in in the winter sometimes just walking around a block. But you've got to walk. And every study that's ever been done has shown that walking 30 minutes a day has dramatic effects on your physical well-being, your mental well-being, your lifespan, your quality of life, every single part of, of your being. So huge thing. So I'd say that is definitely part of my ritual, but I think everybody should make it part of theirs. I like to run as well. As I mentioned, really difficult with a baby. doesn't like me running. Particularly, uh, we actually have a treadmill at home. And the minute he sees me on the treadmill, he starts walking to try to get on the treadmill with me, which is very, very dangerous. Um, so you, you, you know, anybody <laughs> with a baby, yeah, yeah, do not do that. But what I actually do is now I wake up much earlier. So he wakes up early. I wake up an hour earlier than him and I try to fit in that. And so it's all about intentionality. It's about, so for me, it's about going to bed early, waking up early, having the time to have some me time before the baby wakes up and before my workday gets going. A um, couple of other things that I think are really important um, in my routine. You know, the other things that I really recommend is just eating healthy. Um, you know, I, I'm the worst when it comes to having a sweet tooth. You know, if if I had no ill effects from it, I swear I would probably eat hamburgers and desserts for for every meal. But but I also know that if I They're do that, great. burgers I, are delicious. Sweets are delicious. Oh. All right, it's time for Chloe's Clarence pick of the week. Ooh, ooh, I am celebrating my Clarence Clear Out Targeted Blemish Lotion because listen. We can take care of our skin. We can eat well, but sometimes we're going to have blemishes. And they just pop up out of nowhere. Usually when you got a big meeting or a hot date or a girl's night, this is my go-to. It's a lotion that targets and dries out imperfections locally in just one night thanks to its two-phase solution if you want to learn about it. Half lotion, half powder. Mm-hmm. It also purifies the skin and reduces redness locally. This is my go-to thing, guys. It's got meadow sweet extract in, in it. It's got salicylic acid, which purifies the skin. It's got all kinds of good things. So what you want to do if you have an imperfection, you want to put this on in the evening before bed directly on it and be amazed. It's basically like being at Hogwarts. You wake up and you're blown away. Okay. All right. Let's get back to the chat. They're so good. Honestly, I, I, I would do it every meal, but... 
I also know that if I do burgers more than once or twice a week, I do not feel very good. So, so, so it's all about trying to eat a lot of healthy food. I try to stay away from processed food and junk food. You know, I'm lucky that, you know, I, I have a family that, that generally shares those, those preferences in food. And so we get a lot of you know, natural food in the house. We, we stay away from things that are overly processed and, and almost everything is cooked without, without using, you know, the kinds of ingredients or, you know, buying things that are, you know, greasy prepackaged types of, you know, the chips and the snacks and the cookies and all that stuff that comes from the store. That's very bad for you. So I find eating well, I notice that there's a marked difference in how I feel physically and mentally when I'm having that, that very healthy and balanced diet. Um, the final thing I would say, and this is something that the older I get, uh, the more I notice it is just controlling alcohol intake is is absolutely critical. So, you know, I'm definitely not in my 20s anymore. Um, and when I was in my early 20s, I, I, you know, there were many times I could be silly and and, and probably get away with having a, a glass of wine too many. And, and there was a little bit of suffering, but not terrible suffering. But, you know, for me at my current age, and this is something that I probably should have picked up earlier in life as a habit, but at my current age, it's become abundantly clear that there's an unbelievably directly proportional relationship to drinking a lot of alcohol and feeling awful, not only for one day, but multiple days. So I stay away because all those other things that I talked about, so the eating right, the walking, the running, the working out, all of those things that I like to do, the minute I feel awful because I decided that I was going to drink alcohol every day, um, all of those other activities fall out the window. I don't feel like going for a run. I absolutely want that extra cheeseburger and all the all the other terrible habits that go with it. So, so you know, if I add it all together, if you're active, if you eat well, if you limit that alcohol consumption, I'm not saying don't drink at all, but I'm saying just be really, really careful about how much you have. Those things together in my life have really made a pretty big difference for me to feel a, a good state of, of, of wellness and well-being, uh, at least all on the physical side and very much on the mental side as well. As much as you think about these things as physical, I think physical and mental health are intimately tied together. If your mind's not feeling good, your body's not going to feel good. And if your body's not feeling good, your mind's not going to feel good. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm 34 now. It was my birthday just recently. And if I have a fun night out, and sometimes, friends, fun nights out are exactly what you need. I, again, going back to intentionality, I have to be intentional. I have to be intentional with what I have on the docket the next day, possibly what I have on the docket the following day. And then for me, everything I try to do is I try to make it a choice. So if I'm going to go out with my girlfriends, I know I'm going to have wine. Well, then I kind of come to terms with the fact that the following day, I'm probably not going to work out. I'm probably gonna not going to eat that great. But the next Next day, I'm going to set myself up for success and I'm going to make sure that I give myself that day to recover and be a little lazy gal on the couch because it was fun and I had a good time. And then I'm back on the horse. And I think sometimes in life, we try to complicate being healthy. Like we like I feel like every website you go to, every magazine you pick up, it's got like the latest, hottest health trend. But really, like Dr. Brett just shared with us. It's pretty fucking simple, guys. Like, it's so simple, and yet we overcomplicate it. And I feel like when we do that, we're kind of taking the onus off of us. Move your bodies and do it in a way that feels good. Like, you mentioned skiing. You love to ski. You love to run. Walking sounds really good. For other people, they love to dance. They love Pilates. Like, I feel like we just have to remember that we have to enjoy this life as well. So if you're enjoying what you're doing when it comes to movement, it'll be just so much easier to show up. Thank you for admitting that you like burgers. Cause if you were going to sit there and tell me you eat clean and healthy all the time, especially with a newborn baby, I was going to call bullshit, but you were honest. <laughs> so I really do appreciate that because 
Sometimes you're craving a burger. Sometimes you're craving nachos. But I think if most of the time we can try to eat clean and also make the connection between how we eat and how we feel, like that was another thing you mentioned. You now have the awareness when you eat too many burgers, let's say for you, you don't feel so good. Even though they taste good, you don't feel well. And I think sometimes we move through life on autopilot and we're just kind of going about our day eating on autopilot. We don't even realize how it's making us feel. Whereas if we can take a step back and have the awareness, again, it makes it easier. And then the last thing that you said in that amazing, amazing kind of description of things we can do is walking. And I think walking is something that like we underestimate. And you were telling us that the research says it is like the number one thing we should all do. And you're not even telling us we got to do it for like two hours a day. You're saying 30 minutes, 30 minutes, get out for a walk. It's it is it is easy. It is not difficult. And I, I love what you just said about the fact that there are so many articles that overcomplicate things. And you know, the things to keep in mind in, in this health and wellness space is there's a lot of entities and people that profit over making it seem complicated because if it's complicated, you need their solution because you can't solve it on your own. And that's their motivation to make it sound so difficult. It's not complicated. These things are really easy. We all know what the healthy foods are. It's not hard to pick them out. We all understand that most things in moderation are going to be better than things in excess. And be active. It doesn't require a ton of activity, but just be active on an ongoing basis. This is all really simple stuff. You don't need a fad diet that an expert writes a book about to figure this stuff out. Although, look, if you want to go pick up a book, that's all good. But something else that you said, which I think is such a great reminder, is setting yourself up for success. You are a busy guy on the go. You've got like a basically a newborn at home. And so one of the things you said was you try to go to bed earlier, you try to wake up earlier. Like how important is it that we set ourselves up for success? We literally sometimes, if it's laying out your clothes or trying to meal prep on a Sunday or habit stack, you know, take that meeting while going for a walk. How important is that in, you know, health? helping us increase our potential of follow through with our health and wellness goals and activities. Oh, it's, it's incredibly important. I, I think if you don't set goals and you don't create plans to get to those goals, you'll never get to those goals. And it, you know, it's, there's this way over you saying, um, what is it? It's the, the saying of, you know, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail or something like that. I'm sure you've probably heard that one before. But it's a but, good but one. It's a good one. It's a, it's a good one. And it's repeated a lot. And it's repeated for good reason, because it's very, very true. Um, in your personal life, you should treat it almost no different than the, at least in your personal life. And I wouldn't say do this in your relationships because people will find it a little weird and, 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 you know, abnormal. So don't go down the, this path with your partners, et cetera. But, but in your wellness goals, your health goals, you should treat it no different than what you would do in your job. So in your job, it, we typically say, here's my objective. My objective is I want to get to this metric in the job, you know, I'm a salesperson and I want to increase my level of sales over the course of this year. So then we say, how do I get there? And here's the plan. So I'm going to increase it by one twelfth of that amount every month. What do I have to do this month to achieve that one twelfth measurement of my increase in sales? And we all do this in our jobs. At least we should if we're if we're doing well. And if you're not doing this in your job, I'd say do it in your job because <laughs> it is a great pathway to success in your career, which is another discussion. But you know, even in our company, you know, we as a company, when we think about, you know, what does Maple need to do in five years? So we don't randomly do a bunch of stuff. We say, you know, this is what we think Maple should look like in five years. So what do we have to do in year one as the first step to get you there in five years? Now, what do I have to do in this first month of that year one? And we have a set of steps. So we know 
if we follow all these steps, we're going to get to what our five-year outcome is. But if we never had that five-year point, we wouldn't know if we were going off course. We wouldn't know the things we need to do in month one and month two and month three. So I think in wellness, it's no different. So if you're the person that doesn't feel well, you you know, you know think that you're tired all the time, you're not exercising enough, you're, you're, you're not happy with your weight or whatever it is, say you should start off by saying, what is, what is my objective? What do I want to get to? What does my life look like in a good place? So in a good place, my life looks like me sleeping eight hours a night. It, it's me walking 30 minutes a day. It's me losing 10 pounds. It's me reading a book every week. And that's another thing in habits that I forgot to mention is reading books is my therapy. And in many respects, it's my great place and I find time to do it. But whatever it is, figure out in a year from now, what is your life as a success in health and wellness? What does it look like? And then what you don't want to do is say, I'm going to do it all at once because you're never going to do it all at once. So now what are the baby steps? If I can't walk 30 minutes a day, maybe I start with a five minute walk. And so this month it's going to be five. Next month it's 10. The month after it's so on and so forth, it goes up. So if we create objectives that we believe are the right objectives and we believe they're going to be the things that get us where we want to go, it's not hard to create the plan to get there. The hardest part if to get to these objectives is to not set an objective and not have a plan. Yeah, because if you plan, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Exactly. Yeah, and I think yeah, because but sometimes again, it goes back to sometimes we really love to overcomplicate, and we're like, oh, it's too much. I don't know where to do. I don't know where to start, so I'm just not going to do anything. But like, yeah. we only have one life, and guys, like, you deserve to feel amazing. You deserve to wake up feeling refreshed and energized and ready to crush the day. Because when you feel good, both like physically and with regards to your mental health, you'll be able to go out there and build your dream life and raise your hand at that meeting and pitch or put yourself out there with regards to relationships. Like so much is at your disposal when you really choose to prioritize yourself and and do the things that make you feel good. And sometimes that comes down to the simplest things like water and hydration and movement and listening to this podcast. No, I'm just kidding. But um, you mentioned you love to read. Can I ask you, like, are you, do you love like a trashy beach read? Do you love like medical books? Like what does Dr. Dr. Brett like to read. Oh, I, I'm going to make all of the nerds, if there are any nerds watching. I feel like there aren't really too many nerds watching your podcast. So maybe I'm going to make all the, the cool kids think I'm a big nerd. But but I I um, no, I, I'm a big sci-fi nerd. So I I love science fiction. And my, my wife actually makes fun of me nonstop because every time she sees me with a new book, she's like, well, make a guess it's science fiction. <laughs> it's always science fiction. But I, I, I'm just a, I, I'm a big fan of sci-fi particularly because i find sci-fi is is a really interesting genre and that it lets us dream a little bit of of you know a world that could be different from ours but it also speaks volumes about our current world in a way that doesn't come across as judgy so i find actually i'll I'll give you a really interesting example um and this was a groundbreaking piece of tv so i don't know if you ever watched the star trek or the original old star trek show but but that was made Way back in the, I think, 1960s, different universe, race relations were way backward from where they are now. Quality was not where it was. And so back then, it was it would have been taboo to actually have a television show that was set in the real world and said, hey, it is ridiculous for us to give different rights to people of one color versus another. And, and had you made that show, that would have never made it onto air. So they had this episode, and, and I love talking about this, where... Um, in Star Trek, their spaceship visited this planet. And on this planet, half the population was 
black on their left side and white on their right side. And the other half of the population was the opposite. They were black on their right side and white on their left side. And these people hated each other. Like the, the people who were who were the opposite colors, they, they, they were at war with each other. They discriminated against each other. And, and it was such an amazing episode because there was one point in time where they have one of these people uh, from the planet and they're visiting on their spaceship and they don't get it. And they had one of the people up on the, on the, on the ship. And so captain Kirk, the captain of the starship says, I, I don't get it. They're the same as you. And, and, and this alien guy says, no, 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 they're not the same. Haven't you noticed I'm black on the left side. He's black on the right side. And all the crew is looking like, I don't get it. You're exactly the same. Like there's, there's no difference. And the whole episode was amazing because it pointed out how ludicrous that racism was. And, and it pointed out in a way that in the 1960s, you could do it. They could put that episode on TV versus in the 1960s, anything that was set in our world would never, as I said, been allowed to go there. And so that's what I love about sci-fi is that you can talk about our world in a way that doesn't get you know conservatives riled up to say, oh, this is so liberal. And it doesn't get liberals riled up to say, oh, it's too right-wing. You know, People can actually take a step back and say, objectively, actually, I can think about this and come up with my own opinion. Yeah. All right, sci-fi nerd. You actually light up when you talk about your newborn little baby. Um, you light up the same when you talk about sci-fi. Like you can tell it's a deep love of yours. And I'm really happy you have that because we all need to have that place where we can escape and feel imaginative. And I think reading is such a, a, a beautiful thing to be able to do that. Um, listen, I could talk to you all day, but one thing I'd love to ask you about got a bit of an obsession with cold exposure and i actually haven't talked to a doctor about it i mean am i nuts or is it amazing for me because i've read the research but i'm just i i can't help but be gravitated towards cold exposure and cold immersion um and it's one of those things that is like my favorite tool in my toolbox right now and i know i'm totally putting you on the spot but like dr brett what do you think well, so, you know, this is one of those things where you can always find a study that supports your point of view. So, uh, and this is actually the, the funny thing in medicine in general, you, you know, if I said to you, you know, putting red hot iron on your wrist is is good for you, we could probably find a study that says, yes, it's good. And a lot of studies that say don't do it. But there is definitely evidence on both sides of this. Or, and there's a lot of evidence that says it does nothing. But the way that I think about medicine and and it's a lot of patients will ask me all sorts of weird and wacky things. They'll say, you know, I, I do this crazy routine. And what do you think? Like, have you looked at the research and there's two ways to look at medicine. So there's those doctors who will say to you, research doesn't support that. You know, you're, you're an idiot. Don't do it. And I, I, that's not me. I will never do that. So if you say to me, this is your thing. And you say to me, this works for you. You know, you do cold exposure, makes you feel better, makes you your energy levels better. You have a better day. My answer to you is anything that you're doing that isn't causing harm. So I'll tell you if, if it's actually really causing harm. So if you told me cold exposure to the point where you're hypothermic and needing to be in the emergency room, I'd say, let's, let's probably not go there. <laughs> but it, as long as you're not getting into that, it's really going to harm you place. Um, this is a pretty harmless thing to do. And if you're telling me this is your thing, I don't really care what the studies say because every patient is an individual. And for you as an individual, this study of N equals one, one person being studied, it's a great success. So I'd say keep doing it. Yes, Dr. Brett, that's what I want to know. And lastly, because I know you're someone who likes to plan ahead and you've got goals. When you look at Maple and the reach and the accessibility, what is your ultimate dream? <laughs> 
Well, as I mentioned, right now we're we're helping about four million people in Canada. So there's there's still thirty four million people out there that aren't being helped by Maple. So that's a lot of people that I still want to get our 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 network to extend to to provide some service to and make a difference to their life. So there's that. But ultimately, the reality is that in the world of healthcare, in the world in general, you know, Canada is a small country. We're thirty eight million people. Um, we're a world of 7 billion people and healthcare is a massive challenge just as much outside of Canada as it in, as it is in Canada. And I think we've built an amazing platform that can make an amazing difference to people's lives, not just in this country, but around the world. And so if you ask me, where do I want it to go? I'd like to create a Canadian world beater that exports the best of Canadian values and helps people around the world. So I want us to take the world by storm. I want to have Maple operating not only in Canada, but in the US and in Europe and around the world and multiple other places, making a difference in lives. And if we could make it a global company, if that's it, you know the point that we reach where we're really a world beater everywhere. That is probably the point where I'll say, okay, we don't have to double anymore. I'm, I'm kind of happy with where we're at. Also, it's like the most Canadian name ever. So I would love for this to go international because the world needs to know about Maple and like those strong Canadian. It's just it's so it's so amazing. Um, I'm so glad you do what you do and you are helping, especially for those people that, you know, are not as fortunate to live in like a big city next to a hospital and don't have access to this kind of care. I think it's such a game changer for so, so many reasons. Um, you're welcome on the Healthy Hot Podcast anytime, Dr. Brett. And I hope that little cutie of yours is doing well and um, you get to ski this season. You got you deserve a little joy and movement as well. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Happy holidays. And it was my pleasure. Happy to come back on anytime. Amazing. And friends, we'll have all the details down below about Dr. Brett and Maple and all the other good stuff. So make sure you check it out and support. All right. See you soon. Bye. Well, 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 who else is feeling fired up and inspired after that chat? Yeah, same here. I can't believe I'm saying this, but just like that, another episode of the Healthy is Hot podcast in the books. Once again, I'm your host, Chloe Wild. And look, if you enjoyed this, go ahead and subscribe so you never miss out. Rate and leave us a cute little comment. Follow us on Instagram at Healthy is Hot. And remember, healthy is fucking beautiful. We'll see you next week. Brought to you by Clarence.